The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Anyway, you guys made it through the snow. I'm very proud of you for that. I don't know what it is about me, but I love snow driving, so call me strange. Also want to say happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Um, Hopefully you're able to celebrate somehow with somebody that you love and and can enjoy um, that. Uh, We do have something we want to give away real quick. So as you came in, you should have received a a program as well as uh, that giving envelope. But on the program, there's a couple of them that were marked especially, and there's gifts for those individuals. So if you got a program, take a look at it, not on the side that you fill out, but on the other side, there, if there's a little padded bubble, then you won something. So two of you should have won something. Where are you at? Where are the winners at? So, okay, one over there. Okay, awesome, good, and one right there. So Jesse's gonna come down. They got a little gift for you, some gift cards, uh, a way to enjoy yourselves. So there's Jesse right there. We got one over here, Jen. So make sure you put your hand up. We'll make, get, get you that stuff. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 today. And uh, if you're looking for a spot in Scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 is where we're going to land as we end our series, Counting Chickens. And uh, so I hope that this series has been helpful for those of you that have heard. Um, this is part six, so there's been five other parts. If you want to go back and listen, you can do that. The basic premise of this series, though, is the phrase, don't count your chickens before they hatch. It's really a series about anticipation, the fact that there are things that you and I hope for, dream about, look forward to. We want to reach a certain milestone in life, and yet some, you know, we're, we're here, the, the fulfillment of that thing is here, and the time in between. So how do we live with an anticipation? How do we exist in the in-between, and what does that look like? We've been talking about things like trusting God's timing, submitting to God's process, letting him shape us as we wait for the fulfillment of what we anticipate. And last week, we actually talked very much about the fact that when you get to the point that you reach a certain milestone, the goal is achieved, the, the, the thing you look forward to actually happens, how you handle that moment as well is incredibly important. The fact that on one hand, yes, you celebrate, but on another hand, what we said last week was we give God all the credit all the time. If indeed we believe that he gives us life and breath and everything else, then he deserves the credit when something is fulfilled in our lives that we were hoping for. But here's the thing. Throughout this series, we've been talking about us and our relationship with God. And and yet that's not the whole of the equation. I want to make sure that as we end the series today, that, that we're processing the fact that there's more going on than just me and my relationship with God, than you and your relationship with God. And that's where we get to Hebrews. And I'm going to talk for a moment here about chapter 11. I've mentioned many times, and it's one of my favorite chapters in scripture, but over and over, Hebrews 11 talks about individuals that lived by faith. It talks about Abraham. It talks about Enoch. It talks about David and Moses and and, and Jacob and all these different individuals and how they lived by faith. It talks about Rahab and, and trusting God over and over and over. It says these lived by faith. And so we look at this chapter, and in some ways, it's almost like a, a, a Cliff Notes version of the Old Testament, a Cliff Notes version of some of these stories we hear in Genesis and, and Exodus and some of the Psalms and historical books of Samuel and Kings and, and Chronicles. But when we read Hebrews 11, the whole idea is that these people are worth celebrating. These people are heroes of the faith. 
And then we get to chapter 12, verse one. I'm gonna read it, we're gonna pray, and then we'll navigate through my comments today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I'm gonna stop there, let's pray. God, I pray for you to help us understand the importance of this conversation, of not ending this series with giving you all the credit all the time. That, that's awesome. But there's one more thing that we need to observe. And I pray you would help us understand it to a greater degree today. In Jesus' name, amen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the writer of Hebrews is saying, when you look at chapter 11 and see all that these heroes have accomplished, all that they've done, all the ways that they've trusted God when it was incredibly difficult to trust God, steps they have taken that you and I look at and go, wow, that's amazing. The writer of Hebrews, once you look at chapter 12, verse one, therefore, because of all that, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it's gonna begin to describe how you and I should be encouraged to throw off things that entangle us. How you and I should be challenged to set aside all those things that hinder us from becoming all that God wants. The point is this. Hebrews chapter 11 is a whole list of people. It's not the end all list, but a whole list of people that have inspired us. Inspired us to what? Inspired us to live differently. Inspired us to be daring to walk uniquely, to trust God, to hold out hope. Those individuals, Abraham and David and Joseph and Jacob and Enoch and Moses and Rahab and all these people have inspired us to realize that God is a big God, that, that God is an awesome God, but God isn't just out there being a big God. God ought to be big in our lives. And so when you look at chapter 12, the whole point is this. Those are our witnesses. But the thing is, as time continues to march forward, as you and I look back at them and are, are inspired by them, what happens is this. The equation becomes turned towards us. And you go, well, what do you mean by that? I don't, I don't understand. What I'm saying is these individuals inspire us. That, 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 that we, can, we can look at them and go, wow, God is huge. I want to take steps of faith and live big. But the whole idea is not just that it's you and God and that's it. They are witnesses to you. Here's my question for you. Who are you then a witness to? The whole point that I'm trying to make today is this. We become witnesses to others. When we talk about this period between what we anticipate and the fulfillment of something happening in the waiting, you're a witness. When we talk about the day that the dream is accomplished, you achieve the goal, you get to the thing you're hoping for and how you celebrate, that's a witness to other people. 
It doesn't just end with us. It isn't just about you and me and God. It's about the fact that there are people all around you that are watching you and how you live your life, that are watching you and how you're able to forgive when somebody wrongs you, how you've been set free from a certain addiction, how you've trusted God in the midst of a circumstance that felt scary and intimidating, and yet you learn to lean in in prayer, invite the Holy Spirit to encourage and empower empower you to look at it differently, having a peace that passes all understanding. People are watching you. And so when you turn the scripture to, to, to you, I want you to look at it kind of like this. Therefore, since others are surrounded by your witness, how are they filling in the blank of who God is based on their ability to observe your life? Here's what I know is true for most people. Most people in the world that I live in, and yes, I'm a pastor, so I'm in church world a lot, but I also have all kinds of relationships with people that aren't church people, connected to the community relationships that I have. These people know that, that I consider myself a follower of Jesus, that, that here's me, and, and I say I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's you, and you post a scripture on social media. Here's you, and you talk about driving through the snow to get to a, a church gathering on a random Sunday. Here's you, and, 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 and you know some comment you make about praying for somebody you care about. What are they doing? They're drawing a line from you to Jesus. The question is, what's that line filled in with? Wow, their God is amazing. Wow, they have a certain peace. Wow, what is it about them and their ability to go through whatever it is they're going through and hold on to their faith? Do you see what I'm saying today? How important it is that you and I understand that there is a whole world out there that's observing whatever it is about our faith and they're filling in the blanks. And sometimes it's not such a pretty picture. Well, they say they believe, but then they, 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 they lose it and, and, and live in anger and, and swear and degrade people when I see them doing what they're doing. And so somehow they, they look at you and they look at faith in Jesus and there's a breakdown in, in, in making that trajectory make sense. Maybe it's how you live as a neighbor and you talk bad about the guy next door, the guy that lives above you or the guy down the street. Maybe it's you as, as, as a manager or as an employer and you own a company and, and, and you go, well, I, I go to church and I'm a Jesus person, but I got to run a business and it's not the same thing. And so there you are at work and you're mistreating workers or you're using language or the, the way that they see you has nothing to do with faith in Christ. And I've made fun of this before because I can be as guilty as anybody. Maybe it's as simple as the way you drive. Snow excluded, of course. But the way that you treat people is a reflection of your faith in Christ. It makes me think about how I treat my own kids. That I can stand up here and try to be as you know, clear as I can about a certain message, but am I living it at home? See, I don't know what you've heard about pastor's kids, but I know there's a stigma. I've heard about it before, and some of you have heard the phrase, oh, you're a pastor's kid. And there's this idea that, oh, if you're a pastor's kid, you're going to end up getting in all kinds of trouble. You're going to end up living a certain way. There's probably going to be a couple rounds of rehab for you because you're a PK. Guess what? My kids are pastor's kids. 
But my hope is that they never see some hypocritical person that comes to church and I'll say hi to you and greet you and pray for you when you're going through stuff and carry burdens and encourage you and bring a message of love and hope. And then I go home and treat them badly because I'm worn out because I did my job, but now this is home. I hope to God I don't live that way. I hope to God my kids don't see some hypocritical pastor that does one thing at church, but then at home is someone else. Think about it for, for how you reflect Christ to your kids or maybe to your grandkids or maybe to your neighbor or maybe to your brother or sister or family member, maybe to some of your good friends. The fact is people are watching. The question becomes, what will they learn? How bold would they be if they believed in God the way you do? Is forgiveness really possible? Are you showing people how you're forgiving because God forgives you? Will God provide? Does freedom, <clears throat> does freedom from addiction really work? Can they trust God with their whole lives? In 1984, there was a song that Michael Jackson sang, just a riff of, um, and it's kind of a one-hit wonder song, but some of you have heard it before. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Anybody remember that song? Just a few of us, because I'm old, I get it. But I remember that song randomly will get stuck in my head. When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. I'll open my eyes and find someone standing there. Okay, so that's enough. I won't sing anymore because you're all going to throw up in your mouth. But anyway. My point is this, when you think of a song like that, I want you to realize it's true. It's not to make you paranoid, it's not to make you freak out, but the simple truth is this. Somebody is watching you, your kids are watching you, your neighbor is watching you, the person driving around is watching you, the person at the grocery store is watching you, your family is watching you, the people you work with are watching you. What do they see as a reflection of Christ in you that would inspire them to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ? They're surrounded by your witness. What does it look like? When I was a new believer, I go back, I'm going to rewind a little bit here. I didn't grow up in church, but... When I gave my life to Christ, I was, I was, uh, it was the end of my junior year at Marysville Pilchuck High School. And, and I spent just that small window of the end of my junior year as a brand new follower of Christ. And I didn't grow up in church world. And, and I mean, I, was, I, you know, I showed up at, at the Christmas Eve so I could hold the candle as a kid. And I'm you know, seven years old and I get a candle and that's amazing. And um, I remember going to, to Sunday school here and there, but we weren't regular church attenders. So I, I wasn't really a follower. And then the light came on for me. And I realized, man, this, this whole thing about who Jesus is is huge. And I do believe he died for me. And I do believe he paid the price so I could be forgiven, so I could have life. Man, I surrendered my life to Christ. But you know what I remember about the first six years? I, I don't know why, and I don't know how you look at your faith if you've been in it for a long time, but there's kind of certain seasons. And the first season for me was, was the first six years. And the reason for that for me was because I was surrounded by a similar group of people for that first window that after six years, there was a bunch of change that happened in life. But that first six years, I remember the first year in particular. I was a brand new believer in Jesus and I was attending Marysville Pilchuck. And I remember being, being 
surprised. Like, wow, I didn't realize that, that, you know, so many of my teachers were followers of Jesus, except that when I, you know, my senior year, I remember I had my Bible at school and I would carry it with me. I would read it during sort of reading times and stuff. And, and people kind of knew that I was a Christian now and it was very different. But you know what I was encouraged by? Some of my teachers that, that, that were, were so gracious towards me about learning to live for Christ. I remember one teacher in particular was Brian Kessler. He was the drama and speech teacher at Pilchuck. And I think he just retired a couple. In fact, I went to his retirement party last year, just retired. But um, he was a, a Christian who taught me how to live in a way that, that isn't weird around people that aren't part of church world. You know, sometimes we can get this churchy thing going and people outside are like, what in the world, dude? And, and he really did teach me in a healthy way what it meant to shine the light of Christ in a way that, that extended that grace and that hope to people that aren't part of church world. And I'll never forget that. My youth pastor, um, for the first six years of my Christian experience, I had a great youth pastor. His name was Benny Perez. I, I'm still in touch with him today. We talk, honestly, probably maybe once or twice a year now is all. But the first six years of my life, he was instrumental in teaching me about leaning, in, leaning into God in prayer and being bold in my faith. And six years of being mentored by somebody like that foundationally changed my life. Great cloud of witnesses. I think of the worship leader back then that I got to know. His name was Eddie Willis. And Eddie Willis was a guy that always had a bright smile on his face. And I would come around the church as a young guy. You know, I had a part-time job and, and I would come around the church just to learn and grow my faith and be around some of these people. And Eddie Willis, it seems like he always had his door open. And every time I would show up in his door, he would invite me into his office and we would have great conversations. And, and he was so incredibly welcoming to me and always helped me understand my faith to a greater degree because of how he treated me every single time I saw him. I think of guys like my, my very first pastor. He, he pastored this, this church years ago. His name was Ken Squire, somebody who taught me grace. Somebody who taught me, uh, th this is one that I'm not super proud of, but when I was a young guy, I was about 21, 22 years old, um, I, was, I was the leader of a team on a missions trip in a third world country, and, and I got my driving privileges taken away. Not proud of that, and if you want to find another church because of it, totally understand. But um, I was just kind of being a jerk, a punk, being careless. And, and I remember coming home from that trip, and I was humiliated. I, I felt so stupid. And, and when we got home, I had to meet with the pastor in his office. And some of you guys are like, that's like being in the principal's office. There's times where like, I'll call, hey, can we meet? Like, what do I do? Okay, anyway. But, um, but back then, I remember feeling terrified that I had to go to the principal's office because I blew it. And so I go into to his office for this meeting and I'm trembling and I'm, I'm like, I'm repentant. Like, I'm so sorry. I just, I was being stupid. And, and when I walked in, it wasn't just him. It was other leaders in the church. I'm like, this is really bad. Like, they're gonna kick me out of the church. Um, and, and I go in and they start with, hey, let's talk about what happened. And they walk through a little bit of what happened, let it, my side and stuff like that, which my side was as dumb as their side. Like, I was an idiot. Um, and they, they, they made sure I understood, like, that wasn't smart and wasn't safe and wasn't good. That's why we had to take these steps. But you know what they were after that? Unbelievably gracious about it. And you know what they told me on my way out of that meeting? Hey, we're looking forward to you leading a team next year. But it was that ability for them to be gracious and teach a young guy that was stupid. And I'm still stupid, I get it. But I just remember, like, that kind of grace is the kind of thing that inspired me to continue to pursue Christ. One more I remember, too, was a guy named Doug Schaefer. And Doug Schaefer was a thinker. 
And I love being around Doug Schaefer because he always challenged what I believe about God, always looking at scripture and challenging how I interpret it and studying it and looking at it. And, and Doug Schaefer inspired me to be a student of scripture. I look back on that first six, six years and it's the epitome of what Hebrews 12, one says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these are the individuals and there's others that have inspired me and encouraged me and challenged me and helped me to become all that I could be. And I definitely have them to thank. But I want you to think about it too. Who on this journey of faith for you has challenged you, has inspired you, has helped you realize that God is huge and amazing and powerful and not just out there in the universe or, or over there for other people, but not me, big for you, that you can take steps of faith, that you can forgive even though it feels unbelievably difficult, that you can learn to live generously, that you can learn to put others above yourself that you can be set free from those addictions and things that have held you back for years, that God is that big because they showed you those things. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now think about it this way. You're the witness. You're the one. People are looking at your life. People are seeing God through the lens of your understanding of who he is. Is he a redeemer? Is he a forgiver? Is he a provider? Is he our strong tower where we find refuge? Is he our peace that passes understanding? Is he all these things that we need every moment? Because as you think about people that are watching you and they're learning about faith in Christ from you, I've said it this way before, and this sounds a bit inflated, and I don't mean it that way, but you and I are stewards of the Great Commission in our time. In the time that you and I have on this earth, we're stewards of the Great Commission. If you go, well, what is the Great Commission? Jesus said, go make disciples. Go help people understand who I am and what I've done, that they can surrender their lives to faith in Christ. Just go make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, which by the way, next week we have baptism. Next week after our drive-in gathering in the lobby, we're setting up the tank and we're just gonna, people are gonna get baptized. And if you haven't taken that step yet, man, I would encourage you to take that step. Baptism is an outward declaration of the inward transformation God has done in Christ. And even as I look out here, it's been so fun to baptize some of you guys, but some of you haven't taken that step yet. Take that step next week. After our drive-in gathering, it'll be about noon, we're gonna do a bunch of baptisms. And if you need to take that step, write it on the card today. If you need to take that step, go to grove.church, click on events, click on baptism, fill it out. We'll get a hold of you this week. We'll get you ready to get baptized. It's that idea that Jesus said, go make disciples and baptize. And that's what we're doing, but you're part of it. It's not, hey, the pastor does that. Hey, certain committed people do that. Hey, you know, if you've been a Christian long enough, you can do that. No, no, this is for all of us all the time. There is a world watching you live out your faith. And I want us always to consider how is the witness I'm providing helping others see Jesus through my life? I've been surrounded by great witnesses, including 
so many we read about in scripture, but also including so many that have personally mentored and encouraged me. And it becomes now, what about me doing that for others? What about you doing the same thing for other people? And God, today, as we think about this whole idea of, you know, we say counting chickens and, 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 and this idea of anticipating something and the fulfillment of something, that in the midst of the whole process, you're taking us on a journey. And my prayer for each of us is to realize it's not just about a journey between me and God. That's huge, that's important, that's a big deal. But it's also realizing that as, as the world watches, as people we care about look at our faith, as individuals peek in on, on the things that we say on social media, the ways that we treat the clerk at the grocery store, the, the, the ways that we navigate the, 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 the boss role that we have at work or the company that we own or the neighbors we live by, the way that we treat those people is them being surrounded by our witness. And I pray it would create a tension in every one of our hearts. God, help your light shine. God, let me walk in forgiveness. God, I don't want to be a gossip. I don't want to slander other people. I don't want to be so short-tempered and angry. I don't want to live one way over here and another way over here because of the context. Here's church and I smile and act nice and here's home and I don't have to. God, help us understand that we're inspired by the witnesses that have gone before us, but what about our witness to other people? God, I pray for your light to shine in us, for your light to shine through us, for us to be committed to following you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, just like what we read about in Hebrews 11, what does it look like for us to live by faith that this world looks on and goes, wow, I, I need that. I want that. Jesus, help us live it out because we are witnesses in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.